Hey guys, um, this is Alex. We are back for um, week seven. Um, so it's almost midterms and we are super excited. Um, it's obviously a crazy time of the semester, but this week we are going to be talking about translanguaging and emergent bilinguals. So um, I'm going to pass it over to Wendy, who is going to um, tell you what key terms we're going to be talking about. Hi guys, um, I'm Wendy and I'm very excited to talk about this podcast and today the key terms um, that we will be discussing is emergent bilingual, uh, bilinguals, bilingual programs, and translanguaging and I'm just going to pass it over um, to Emma to, uh, for her introduction. <laughs> Hi, it's Emma again. Um, We're really excited to talk about these important topics this week. Um, We have a lot of questions to answer and a lot of important points to touch on, so we are really excited to begin. Okay, so the first thing that we wanted to bring up were the key policies and historical moments that have impacted bilingual education. So I'm going to pass it over to Wendy, and she's going to give you some information about this. Um, Some key policies and historical movements that have impacted bilingual education um, is the Bilingual Education Act, legal precedents, English-only education, Um, at the polls, which is the 1990s and the aftermath. Um, Also, the No Child Left Behind Act, which uh, is very commonly known and talked about throughout schools. Then again, we have Common Core Standards um, and Every Student Succeeds Act. However, um, not many of these schools provided, like, clear instructions or directions on how to, like, properly implement them into schools. And this uh, leads to many schools doing, like, the bare minimum, while, like, other schools do try harder to implement them and better um, their students. And it's, like, a clear view as to what school does what and, like, how schools are, like, trying. Um, But I'm going to pass it over to Emma. And the question for you is, what are the differences in language ideologies embedded within different bilingual programs? So the differences are the languages used in the classroom or teaching. This means some classes only speak English, only speak English for a certain amount of time, or speak a completely different language. Other differences are the components utilized to address their students. Some classes have an ESL instructor while others don't, or some schools aren't able to teach in a certain language for a topic. A third third difference is the duration for how long it takes to become fluent or proficient. And one final difference is the goals each school and a program has for the students. These are all very important things to keep in mind, especially when um, regarding that question, as each classroom is different and teaches language ideologies or bilingual programs um, very differently and have different methods of implementing that. Um, So now we're going to move on, and I'm going to ask Alex another very important question, which is how have English-only laws impacted bilingual education and the programs offered to students across the country? 
Um, so English only laws have impacted bilingual education because it is only focusing on mainstream English with no additional help provided to the students who are struggling and have another language. Um, this can be an effect of having no bilingual teacher or no ESL teacher or teacher who is qualified for this. Um, so this can be very difficult for students um, because if there is no ESL teacher, um, they may be struggling to understand what's going on within the classroom. Um, and adding on to that, um Another way it impacts bilingual education is because they aren't allowing those students to maintain their culture or language um, because they're installing like a set mindset that any other language except English is wrong. And eventually this can just lead to language loss and like at home they won't be able to properly communicate with whatever relatives they used to communicate with that um and it like really puts um a dent in like a student's life outside life <coughs> yeah like wendy said we talked about um this in the past couple of podcasts and how in the past we all remembered like growing up in teachers saying we can't or certain students can't um, speak Spanish or speak their first language in their classroom which um, it's great that people are starting to um, realize that this is wrong and students should be able to speak their first language in the classroom or whatever they're comfortable with um, and it's definitely racist and it's a, form of microaggression to tell students that they can't do this. Um, so us as future educators need to keep in mind that we should make students feel important and feel respected and appreciated for their native language and they should be able to speak that freely in the classroom. Also adding on back to like the English only, um, if a student like if it comes to a student like not picking up on English or they just like falling behind a lot, um, it probably will end up having negative consequences where um, students will start to skip class because they just don't want to take a test uh, because they know they're going to fail um, and they just see no point in it because instead of getting a failing grade, um, they'd rather just skip it and avoid it. Yeah, um, something I thought connects to that is in my placement, my cooperating teacher um, is a reading intervention specialist, and we always talk about how um, some of the misbehaved students who are always spending time um, with the principal or getting suspended or getting in trouble, kicked out of class, these are all the students that my cooperating teacher sees um, as a reading intervention specialist because a lot of times students who can't communicate or can't understand things properly result to anger and frustration because they're embarrassed or they're tired of um, feeling so behind. So this would also definitely apply in like an ESL or bilingual classroom because students who can't communicate with their peers or with a teacher and can't get what they want across properly um, oftentimes result in just giving up or feeling angry, upset, and withdrawing from the situation rather than continuing to learn, which is why as educators it's very important to try to prevent this from happening by keeping this in mind and knowing um, 
that students struggle and it may not always be because they just are lazy or don't want to work it's because they're embarrassed or don't understand or can't communicate properly what's going on inside of their head to others Um, so going off of what Emma said, um, I actually had a classmate in grade school. We were doing like the spelling bee in grade school and he got a word that, um, he was having like a hard time to even pronounce and like he kept pronouncing it wrong. So people started laughing and he got super embarrassed. So he just decided to like withdraw from the whole spelling bee and I can't even imagine like what it's like going through something like that because I don't even know how many times he had to have like the teacher repeat it and this keep in mind was like in front of the whole entire school so everyone heard it um and he was just like extremely embarrassed and I felt so bad for him um also speaking off of that one of my ex-boyfriend's moms was a ESL like teacher and um, she was a second grade teacher. So having the ability to speak in both English and Spanish from such a young age was very helpful because if kids ever needed help or like didn't understand what was going on in the classroom, um, she could easily translate it, which is extremely helpful, um, especially when they're at a younger age and still like developing their language skills. So moving forward, I think another important thing to start discussing is the difference between emergent and bilingual programs. So does anybody want to touch on that or explain the difference? Um, I can touch on that. So like in bilingual programs um, or ESL programs, it's both like non-native English speakers. Um, but for bilingual programs, I'm pretty sure that um, it's all speakers who have the same backgrounds or similar backgrounds um, in order to have, like, a better learning experience. And then, like, emergent programs is similar to, like, an ESL classroom where students, like, come from various language backgrounds, um, but they're, like, being emerged to the English language um, in comparison to bilinguals where they, like, bilingual programs where they, um, um, where they speak both languages um, from the start. Um. Um, within both programs, um, they are both very important because they allow, like, students to keep uh, their background and language, um, while also still having, like, a good communication with their family, and if anything, it betters their communication with their family, because they're learning English at the same time while keeping their language, so they're able to, like, explain things better to their families, um, which, uh, is very important, because in the past, like, people have looked down on other languages, other, uh, than English, and this just leads to, like, back to, like, the history where, like, natives were looked at savages, it's unstable, or, like, being a minority. And, like, this has just, like, been a constant thought that has, like, main has been maintained and spread across um, communities and is still um, within some teachers at some schools. So um, there are definitely some negatives to um, such a strict separation of programs, and mainly it's not something that really occurs naturally on a day-to-day -day basis. Like children 
oftentimes don't experience the separation at home. And um, another option to this would be um, to bring language into the classroom in a flexible and more strategic way um, that embraces bilingualism um, instead of the strict separation of programs. So um, we read a really cool article called Translanguaging Classrooms, Context and Purposes. And we compared three different classrooms, Carla, Stephanie, and Justin's classroom. So we're each going to talk about um, one of the classrooms if Alex wants to begin with Carla's. Yeah, so um, Carla's classroom is a fourth grade dual language bilingual classroom in Albuquerque. And um, Carla tells us, the audience, how she is very comfortable with translanguaging and sees its value in an inter... So she is comfortable with um, teaching in an intercultural community, but she never was taught to actually use it for instruction. Um, But she does maintain an official space for English and an official space for Spanish students to provide the appropriate appropriate opportunities for language development. And she is now allowed um, some flexibility in her student language use. Um, now I'm going to talk about Stephanie's classroom. Um, and she's a junior in a social studies class in New York. And uh, it's like an English medium translanguaging uh, context within the classroom and while English is the official language for teaching most of the students there are Spanish speaking um, however uh, within the literacy um, since it is English uh, mostly English there's like a uh, there's like a different option for like the Spanish speaking and there's like a clear <coughs> difference within the literacy how, um, but they're lucky that they're able to use translanguaging, which allows both of the students uh, to succeed, like the Spanish and English students. Uh, and this is something very helpful uh, within classrooms in order to um, allow students to like look at both languages while also utilizing their main language to understand and um, succeed. Um, Additionally, she's also passionate about making connections across content areas in school because this can eventually end up leading um, other classes to also implement uh, translanguaging. Okay, this is a very um, little small break, but um, we are going to do a quick little room change because um, we have (laughs) something going on. We'll be right back. And we're now settled in the new room that we are going to finish recording this podcast. But as I was mentioning before, how like it's important to implement translanguaging into other classrooms because I know for math, um, there was a video that I saw in one of my classes where this student had um, just come from Mexico and he was in a math class and he was about to take a test, but he was like confusing a lot of the things and he wasn't like um he wasn't very well he didn't know english too well um and for example he would often he confused the word block as in like walking a block to like the blocks that you play with as a kid so um using translanguaging in this case could help and clear some definitions up um 
or even in science classes it can also be very useful um with like terminology as well all right so now i'm going to talk about the last classroom and that's justin's classroom so in justin's classroom he pushed esl services in english um, middle school math and science classes in language arts and in this class he speaks english and mandarin and the students have a variety of languages which include mandarin spanish korean french and mandingo and only one student speaks korean in the classroom other students have peers speaking the same language and all have certain strengths and weaknesses so justin's job is to assist students in meeting um cali bilingual california bilingualism standards and brings copies of assignments that are translated into students native language which is very helpful and um, creates a very inclusive environment because in a lot of cases teachers just leave it up to students to translate and do these things um, for themselves when in reality um, it's very beneficial for the teacher to do this as it makes the students feel valued and respected and that um, they don't have to be behind just because their first language is in english so, um, in one of our past classes, we did an activity where we had to either go around the um, College of Education building or go around the campus to find stuff that has been translated in different languages. So, my group, personally, um, we had to find something that was still in English, but, like, translated um, in a different way. So... For instance, we found um, signs that were like located in the education building that had brailles. So technically, it was still um, written in English, but it was a different form of English, like a different form of the language. Um, so braille is um, usually on different signage, and a student will run their finger across it, typically a student who is blind, and they will use their finger to write read the signage um so these are located at like bathrooms or different um room numbers and that way the student knows where they are going and make sure that they're in the correct place um we also found some signage that was in both english and spanish um near the bathrooms and this is very helpful because obviously not everyone speaks english or um can like see how the language is written um so it's helpful to have these alternatives um in very common areas where we are um we where students are easily exposed to it um and it's something that we probably see within like our everyday life um so i think this is really awesome um i'm not sure when they went about doing stuff like this, like including it in buildings and other common areas. Um, but I think it, it's, it's extremely helpful and makes it a more welcoming um, place for students and other individuals to come. Um, going off that, at U of I, I know that like my group and I, we did like a little investigation furthering about like um, if it had signs that had like other languages to also get the point across and we ended up going to the cultural houses and in one of the uh asian houses we went to the kitchen and we saw how they had um a clock with their numbers in their language 
which is very helpful. And then within the kitchen, they had pictures on their cabinets about like what things were there. And I just think that's uh, very helpful and it could be helpful in like, for example, high school culinary classes or in, um, in elementary schools. Um, just simply by labeling like a spoon like spoon because they're able to see the object and then they can see like what the English word is for it and it's just like helps them um, by sharing like a common idea uh, while helping them practice their English um, and not like diminishing like their background yeah, so like Alex said, how um, there are different things labeled around the buildings, university, in Spanish and English. Um, this is definitely uh, very inclusive in a way not only to benefit students, but it shows students that um, their language is important and it doesn't matter that their first language is in English um, because there's been so many problems in the past with teachers only focusing on English and the idea like we talked about in past podcasts of um, English superiority and just the idea that English is the only language that's going to be accepted in schools. So by um, providing labels on just day-to-day basic objects in more than one language just goes to show that we're working on improving this problem with English superiority and we're working on making sure everyone feels accepted and included regardless of what their first language may be. Um, so an important question that I think um, we should ask as future educators is how in your future classroom will you um, make students feel accepted and respected regardless of their first language um, in ways like just putting labels on certain things, like on day-to-day um, natural ways of incorporating a idea of feeling inclusive, respected in the classroom? Um, to answer that question, I guess as a future educator, is celebrating every language and like the background culture. And I think that it's like very important to, like for example, like for the Hispanic Heritage Month, I think it's important to have like those special dates for other cultures as well and like be interested in what our students are planning on doing or like what it means to them this way we become educated in that aspect first handedly while also like doing our own research and then within the years like we can um just uh, ask students oh like hey are you doing this for like this day um and like they will like appreciate that you are informed on their background and not just like um ignore it as being becoming a future educator i think something that's so simple but so easy is if you do have a student who english is not their first language um possibly just copying an assignment in both English and their native language so that they have a copy of both and they can refer back to um, the copy of their homework in their native language so that they can read through and kind of get an understanding of what it's saying in English um, instead of that just being like brushed over and the teacher just 
not even recognizing that they're like struggling. This is a very easy way that we can incorporate both language is, languages into the classroom and it just makes it a lot easier on the student. Um, I also think it's really awesome if a teacher could learn like some of that students like native language there's so many resources online and um they are very accessible and just by learning like some phrases or some words um to help the student or like congratulate them like you're doing so great in their native language just shows that like you recognize them and know that they're doing really well and it shows that you're um changing your style of teaching to fit like who they are and know that they're not getting left out or being left behind. Another question that came up to mind is like I understand that some teachers don't know like every language or like don't have a second language but like what would you guys like think that educators should do to like try to accommodate to their students um, and try to communicate? As someone who doesn't know almost any Spanish or any language at all, except for English. Um, I think it's really important to still have the tools and have the ability to teach students who um, don't necessarily speak English. And I, I began my endorsement in ESL. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to finish it because of time, but um, I think regardless of if you're getting an ESL endorsement or not, I think it's important to do your own research, um, whether it's taking a course or just doing your own online research, reading a book on how to teach students whose first language isn't English. Um, because there's definitely very um, many methods and tools you can implement in the classroom to make sure these students can succeed and feel comfortable and not feel ashamed or embarrassed um, well in the classroom and I think um, something that's also very important to keep in mind is patience and that you need to know that students you can't just classify students as lazy or unmotivated or um, unable to do the work just because they don't know the language that the work is being given in so like we talked about earlier in I think what was his name Justin's classroom the last the classroom I talked about um he provided handouts in different languages according to what language the students spoke which not only is just a way to make these students feel included um or to be inclusive but it's also um a way to ensure students can understand the work that they're being given and aren't left up to do this by themselves because a lot of times the reason students are getting things wrong or getting frustrated or upset or angry is because there's an issue there's a barrier with communication or there's a lack of understanding within the lesson whether it's due to um, language barrier or not yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, um, having worksheets in both English and another language, I think would be extremely helpful. And like what Emma was saying, um, we were very impressed by Justin's classroom. Um, he seems like a very proactive teacher, which is awesome because we just simply know that he cares about his students. Um, so we thought that was really awesome also. Going off the question that I asked, I also think that, like, um, if the school were able to provide students with, like, an iPad or some sort of translator, that can also, like, help them, like, communicate with, um, 
like student teachers uh teacher to student um which would be very helpful because i know back in um middle school in my social studies class we were uh we had like a new exchange student and he was like struggling to pick up on the language and i know he had uh like a little ipad that would help him translate things and he actually like found out so much through it like we were telling him um like all like the school supplies that he needed because the teacher was like very helpful he basically just told us to help him and like the student was like really grateful and you can see like how much of a difference it makes um with like that little translator and it was like a good way to communicate with him that like i know i wouldn't even have thought about I personally know that if I were to move to another country, let's say Spain, um, I've been learning Spanish for I don't even know how many years, but I would still say that my skills are still pretty rusty. Um, even though I've been learning Spanish for so many years, it's easy to lose a language if you're not using it on a daily basis, um, which really sucks because you put so much time and hard work into it um and then just to lose all those skills is very frustrating um so I feel like if I were personally to move to a different country I would definitely be struggling um because it's like you're using Spanish like 24 7 it's not in just like a learning um like sense and you're using it to talk in like your everyday language and like you're also using it in school and like you're writing papers in Spanish and stuff like that so it's like if you think about it and put yourself in another student's shoes who comes to the U.S. and doesn't know um, English like perfect English or like they aren't super fluent you have to like understand and be patient because if you think about it like if you put yourself in their shoes and like you move to another country and we're completely exposed to a language that you're surrounded with in everyday life with work school and just like in public you understand like how hard it really is and like all the different language barriers that seem to appear Okay, so we had an awesome um, discussion with you guys today, and we really hope you enjoyed everything that we talked about. Um, we keep learning new things every day, and um, we realize how many language barriers and how many obstacles um, other students who are speaking a different language really have to um, come to face with. So we hope that as future educators, we are becoming better at becoming more ins inclusive in our future classrooms. And every day we work to be a better version of ourselves. So yeah, um, I'm super excited to talk to you guys again next week. And thank you again for listening.